And I'm just running on like two hours of sleep. <laughs> oh, fuck it. But it's all for the Built Different Podcast, baby. Bubblicious energy drink firing away right now. <laughs> Three, two, one. Welcome everybody back to the Built Different Podcast. We are here with some Gold Rush, episode 14. I got Bill here with me as usual. I'm your uh, host, Thomas Saxby. And you know, we, we got a good episode for you. We got a nice chill episode we're going to talk about a couple things. We're going to talk about Antonio Brown because, you know, we're in the upstate New York area. We got all that juicy insight. Um, we're going to talk about best offseason moves. Um, we're going to talk about Lamar Jackson, Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk about, you know, more quarterbacks. We're going to have a nice fresh Bills Block episode. And then we're going to have a nice mailbag segment because we got a couple of questions that, you know, the fans want answered. So, Bill, man. How's it going? It's been a little bit, uh, but yeah, you know, we're we're deep yeah, into the off season. It's been a juicy off season, and uh, <laughs> you know it, we're in the heart of it. So this isn't going to be the, the most straight to the point episode, which is great. We get to talk about some of the off path topics that everybody wants to hear about. Uh, get a few more fan questions in the into the mix. So I'm looking forward to it. Hell yeah, man! Hell yeah! So let, let's dig right in, Antonio Brown. So this guy never fails to amaze, you know, from being, you know, on the Pittsburgh Steelers and being one of the best wide receivers of all time to running off of the Buccaneers field with his shirt off. Or I believe, where were they playing when he, when he, he was, they were in Tampa, right? I'm not sure if it was there or at the Jets, uh, but. Oh yeah, no, yeah, it was in New York. It was in New York where he storms off the field without his jersey. Um, That's the last time we ever see him on an NFL field, I'm pretty sure. Um, and then now he's in Albany or was in Albany. I don't know, Bill, you have all the insight, you have all the, the insight insight. So why don't you, uh, <laughs> take, Let's us take a little rundown? Cause this almost ended with Antonio Brown being on a different field and we'll circle into that in just a moment. So for anybody that's not familiar, uh, we are in the greater Albany, New York area. So, uh, we we do have a little bit more insight via local headlines uh, than the ESPN reporters are really putting out there for everyone else. So I can really provide a little little more light on what ends up being an overall dark situation. So just to get everybody up to speed, Antonio Brown's father played for the Albany Firebirds. Uh, this is essentially the best Albany professional sports team that ever existed. I'll maybe throw the river rats into contention, a little AHL hockey. But overall, Firebirds brought championships. It was the only football that we really had here for a very long time. Touchdown Eddie Brown was the best there was. He's probably, he is the best arena football player to ever play the game. Uh, Then his son ends up being drafted the Pittsburgh Steelers, goes on to have a pretty close to Hall of Fame trajectory career, if not Hall of Fame trajectory career. Dude was a monster, man. Damn near unstoppable. Jerry Rice level stats over, you know, a smaller window. So obviously very good. And you can't deny that. Hall of Fame? Maybe. That's a question (laughs) for another day. Uh, So we'll talk how the personality can affect Hall of Fame and, you know, how maybe screwing over an entire. I I don't think, yeah, I don't think I'd want to see that Hall of Fame speech. Probably be a bunch of craziness. (laughs) So, the Albany Firebirds go away. 
No arena football team at Albany for a while. Albany Empire is founded uh, by Ron Jaworski and Marquise Colston. So he isn't even the first wide receiver to own an Albany football team. But he ends up being likely the last because he ends up leaving a pretty bad taste in Albany's mouth. So he ends up buying or buying into ownership down the road. Uh, he ends up with a 51% share. Absolutely scares the hell out of the, the rest of ownership. So within like two weeks, he ends up with a 99% share. He is the owner operator just in charge of the entire shit show. And he ran this thing into the ground. So there have been a few different stories, uh, subplots that come out of this. Uh, one is that he ran up a $600 bill to a local Italian restaurant and just decided he doesn't need to pay it. Uh, he makes good on that, tries to, to save some face in the Albany area through that. Uh, then he ends up getting kicked out of the Holiday Inn, who is his main sponsorship at this point, I'm pretty sure, the Albany Holiday Inn. So he ends up getting kicked out of there. The owner who is partnering with him says, oh, we didn't know anything about that. Apparently, the whole hotel started to smell like weed. That's where they're housing the players and stuff. And then at the as the final straw, when this team is absolutely floundering, this is a team that won several championships, back-to-back championships. He fired, I believe, five different head coaches, ended up trying to hire the head coach of a local high school team to be their head coach. Couldn't get him, so got the assistant coach, fired him, within 24 hours after the game. he They lost Tommy Grady, who was their quarterback uh, via Antonio Brown's antics. Tommy Grady was a very good arena football league quarterback, and I'm not convinced that it wasn't just because the opponents had no idea that it wasn't actually Tom Brady on the other side, uh, just via name. Who knows? Tommy Grady somehow becomes a hero in Albany for a couple of years and chases him off. There's a lot going on. But here's his plan to save the day. Antonio Brown is going to suit up to play for the Empire. This is after a buddy of mine who's uh, bouncing at Beer Garden when he goes there to put on a rap show at the Albany Beer Garden. He tells him, I don't know why you haven't Jackie Mooned this thing yet. And says you need to suit up you need to play for the team they'll do better they'll you'll sell more tickets you want more money right this is how you do it so he says he's going to play for the Albany Empire goes out warms up with the team and then at game time after the tickets have already been sold uh says I can't play for that I didn't pass the physicals he is the guy that has to pass somebody through he can he's the owner he can (laughs) the arena football league came out and said this is not applicable to an owner he can completely skip this process and he just decided no i'm not going to do that and then by the time the next game comes around he hadn't paid the arena football league anything that was owed to them so he gets the entire team kicked out of the league so Antonio Brown, who had a chance to come in and take his father's arena football team and and really bring it into a national stage, he did, but for all the wrong reasons. And he 
makes Albany completely lose out on any chance of having a professional sports team ever again. So the man goes from potential hero to an absolute villain throughout the entire Capital District. And it is sad, sad day uh, that we don't have the Albany Empire anymore. But good riddance. I just don't want this guy anywhere in the area now. I, I don't want anything to do with him. I don't want to see him on an NFL team. I don't want to see him in the Hall of Fame. I don't, I don't want to hear the name again, man. It, it's really, really left a poor yeah. point in my mouth. I mean, right. it's pretty sad and embarrassing how Antonio Brown has really gone out. Um, because, you know, he went from this this real humble guy in Pittsburgh to all of a sudden some, like a light switch just flips and he's like two plus two equals five all of a sudden. Yeah. Um, and it, it's pretty sad, like I said, I mean, because he was pretty talented. You know, he, he was a guy that, you know, a lot of us were looking back on like, wow, you know, that guy was amazing. You know, a, a guy to reminisce about. Um, had, you know, probably a few more years of his career to look forward to to solidify a Hall of Fame career, maybe solidify a championship. I mean, he literally played one game for the Patriots and what I thought was one of the better Patriots teams at the time because they also had, you know, Flash. They also, you know, they had Tom Brady, you know, on a on a rampage, but they didn't they didn't get Flash or Antonio Brown. Um, so they were kind of left with almost nothing that year. Um, but, you know, and then, you know, with the Buccaneers. OK, my bad. He did win a championship with the Buccaneers. Um, it, it's that forgettable for me that he was yeah. on, that he was on that team. Um, Because he took it for granted. I mean, Tom Brady kind of saved his career. I mean, no one wanted Antonio Brown at all. Tom Brady let him stay at his house. And then he slapped Tom Brady in the face by talking all that shit about his his wife, ex-wife, whatever she is these days. They're still hanging out. I don't fucking know. But Antonio Brown completely loses his mind. And for whatever reason, he decides to top it off with Albany, which to me... Is just a little funny because I live in the upstate area. I mean, I'm sorry, you know, to all the people that this actually has, you know, hurt. Um, but it's only a little funny to me because it's just crazy that he's ending his saga here. Or maybe maybe there's more to the saga. Maybe he actually goes somewhere with his music. I don't know. But the main thing is, and the main story that I have here is that I think this was just one gigantic scheme to keep him out of prison. Because if if anybody remembers, like day, like I think it was two or three days before they announced that he was going to take over the Albany Empire, um, it was announced that he also had a warrant out for his arrest for child support. I fully believe he used the funds as the owner of um, Albany Empire to pay off his child support because it was funny. Because if you remember, the I think it was like a week after he was owner, it was all magically just paid. It was all just magically good. So, you know, for Antonio Brown, you know, one big gigantic scheme to get rid of one big gigantic scheme and child support. But, man, <laughs> horrible, 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 horrible. Yeah. So to get off of this sour note, let's go ahead and leave Antonio Brown in the dust here. And let's talk some upcoming. Yes, football. that might be the last time he's ever mentioned unless we're having a reminiscing episode about. You know, back in the day, but I doubt yeah. he comes up in a lot of those. <laughs> Unless we go top five punters getting kicked in the face, then that's the only <laughs> time he's going to get any recognition from me moving forward. Uh, so, onward. <laughs> so, you know, best off season move. 
you know, I'm I'm gonna I'll open it up because I'll be a homer. I'll get it out the way. For me, the best offseason move was I think the entire Eagles draft day. Um, you know, coming into draft day, it was honestly the biggest day of the Eagles offseason because you know they don't have too much money to play with because there's a lot of players that need to be re-signed. A lot of players left in free agency. Um, you know, I don't really gotta mention the names, but you know, there was there was some tough losses there. Um, so it was big for the Eagles to go into draft day and get it done, basically. And that they did that, and in my opinion, a lot more. So, you know, first they get Jalen Carter, who falls to them. You know, he's touted as, you know, next to Will Anderson, one of the best defenders in the draft. Eagles need a defense. They got one hell of a defender in Jalen Carter. And he's already impressing, you know, in OTAs and, you know, preseason, you know, workouts and everything like that. Um, Nolan Smith, another really good pick that they got at the end of the first round. Um, I think the Eagles maximized everything they had to in the first round. But with the rest of the draft, they took and they filled everything we needed to fill from safety all the way down. But another important move was DeAndre Swift. Now, in on paper, it might not look like, you know, oh, my God, it's, you know, this this amazing move that was made. However, it solidifies what we're trying to do with our running backs because when you lose Miles Sanders, you're losing a very, very good running back. And, you know, we got Penny, and it was still like, eh, Penny and Gainwell. You throw DeAndre Swift into that, and now we have a full, complete, healthy running back room to go on with a complete offense and now a completely rejuvenated defense. And that's exactly what the Eagles needed to do because, you know, when you come off of the year that the Eagles had where it seems like we have, you know, now finally a team that's going to compete year in, year out, probably for maybe the next five to ten years, however long Jalen Hurts is our quarterback, we saved it. Completely saved the franchise. Howie was fucking working. Um, you know, I, I'm proud of Howie because – you know, for, for a couple of years there, you know, when we were going through it, Howie was getting his name thrown through the dirt, rightfully so. Um, but he's turned it around in the last, you know, three years. And, you know, thank you, Howie. Thank you, Howie. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I would often knock saying the best offseason move is a draft class when we're sitting here in July talking about it. Because no draft class is proven until they actually get out in the field and do stuff. But the flip side of that is using that draft capital, you did flip and get some proven talent too, a la DeAndre Swift. And you had so many shots that some are bound to hit. And if if, if you have 50% of your draft picks, you're doing great. And... You I mean, landed two guys that if either of them pan out to be what they're potentially supposed to be, then you're you're doing great. Dude, so, almost our entire defense now is one of the best college defenses of all time right. from Georgia, which is – that is another insane part because yeah. for me it's like, you know, when you they, – they won the college championship, right, together, right? Yeah. You know, you win the college championship together and now all of a sudden you get to run it back in the NFL – it's crazy. Yeah. It's going to be good. I'm telling you. It's, I cannot yeah. wait. Yeah, it's clearly a history of winning at, and winning together. So that is exciting to, to continue your journey with the people you grew up with along this journey. 
that running back room, you know, DeAndre Swift, obviously massive talent. I loved him going into last year. I feel he was underutilized. He ended up in the doghouse. If anybody watched Hard Knocks, you saw that uh, Deuce Daly didn't love some of the stuff that he did on the field. Therefore, he ended up kind of in the doghouse and didn't get utilized quite as much as he could have. And really, if you looked at the numbers he put up, while Jamal Williams is the leading touchdown scorer in the NFL last year in that backfield, it's crazy. It's absolutely insane what he did. And he was a big reason why that passing game was open so much in Detroit. So the numbers don't really spell out how much of a talent that DeAndre Swift is. So huge upgrade there compared to Miles Sanders. I, I like Miles Sanders. I don't love Miles Sanders. I love DeAndre Swift. And I also love Rashad Penny. Rashad Penny, when healthy, is an incredible. One of the best. Like he was touted as one of the best, you know, running backs in the league when healthy back in back in Seattle. He legitimately has one of the highest ceilings. He is a home run threat anytime he touches the ball, and that's and we what have the. And we have the offensive line that's going to protect both both of them. Yeah, I mean, they, someone like Gainwell that wasn't supposed to be as successful as he was. Right all of a sudden is really good and a good third option to this team because of this offensive line. Yeah, when I, I don't have the stats in front of me here, but I guarantee that they're amongst the top in yards before contact for running backs. Yeah. And that's a line that you and I could rush behind and still average two three <laughs> yards carry, right? <laughs> three, I'm saying, not four or five. Well, I'd probably like blow both my ACLs on the first play. <laughs> But we right, also got right. Boston Scott still, too. So it's yeah. like if one of them get hurt, a very serviceable Boston Scott can get put into the situation yeah. and still yeah. thrive. I, With that said, because of the health concerns, I do think you need to make sure to keep four guys where that's not typically how you construct yeah. the roster. Uh, but I, I think it's important. Those guys aren't falling through to a practice squad. You know, with, with that said, who knows? Because the running back situation, which we'll dive into pretty soon, is a weird one. And there is a lot of talent out there where, listen, if something falls through, if somebody does get hurt, you got some stop gaps that are on the market right now right. looking to make a dollar. Not that you have that many dollars to throw, but it also doesn't cost that many to get a good running back right now. So, uh, hey, if they need to cut a Boston Scott or a Kenneth Gainwell, they'll find a home elsewhere. But, again, there's, there's other stuff you can grab. I'd like to see that continuity. I'd like to see them be kind of – vets in that running back room which is wild to say but you know i think that could help rashad penny and deandre swift come along a little quicker absolutely man so uh, yeah what's your what's your best offseason move bill without a shadow of a doubt raven signing lamar jackson this to me is the most impactful <laughs> move because if you look at this team if that didn't happen and they are essentially nobodies I'm not going to say that they're contending for the first overall pick next year without Lamar because Tyler Huntley is going to squeak a few games out and that defense alone is going to squeak some games out. But they go from bad to contenders just by that Lamar Jackson signing. In addition, it helps with other signings. It, it helps create a culture that other people want to come join where it was one that might not take care of their own and now all of a sudden, it is. It's the one that took care of their own very, very well, in fact. So I think 
Lamar is going to have a hell of a year. I think he this is the most talented offense he's had in Baltimore. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do uh, with some of those new weapons. Yeah, man. I mean, I want to point out like the differences in two episodes that we had. It was funny because the one episode when we were discussing, oh my God, this is horrible. It's depressing. You know, pay Lamar Jackson. Or, so far, went yeah. to the Ravens. Right, exactly. Like we were like, oh my God, what are they doing? This is so sad. You know? Nothing. It's atrocious. <laughs> right. I, I and then the very next episode, me and you were like, the Ravens, man, they're contenders. Yeah, Lamar <laughs> Jackson, he's back. And honestly, it's true because. I'll say it now. I'll say it again. I've said it before. I said it when it was happening. Lamar Jackson was, I think, last year the difference between a Super Bowl appearance and not. I mean, Patrick Mahomes was on a mission. You know, congrats to that guy for winning the Super Bowl. Um, I have every reason to believe that if Lamar Jackson had played through his injury, he would have been like the Ravens probably would have been in the Super Bowl. We would have gotten, you know, Lamar Jackson versus Jalen Hurts, and that would have been just ridiculous how many rushing yards they both would have um gotten. But um, you know, it's it's amazing. You know, Lamar Jackson, he gets paid. Um, the Ravens culture all of a sudden goes from a very sad, bleak one to one that you know, we're very much looking forward to to seeing how this plays out because Lamar Jackson isn't going to miss the games that he missed before. He's a paid man now. He, he's not worrying about what contract he's going to get. I believe most of his contact his contract is guaranteed as well. So absolutely justified in sitting out those games. But now it's go time. I do think he's going to deliver for Baltimore. So while I love the, the Eagles draft day moves, I'm going to have to agree with you. I will give it to Lamar Jackson, being which is crazy. Just a simple extension means so yeah. much. <laughs> a lot. It means a lot. Yeah. So, you know, we're back. Um, so, you know, we talked about our best offseason moves. I wanted to just quickly, you know, touch on another. You know, this Aaron Rodgers to the Jets saga has been absolutely as advertised. Besides playing it because they haven't played yet. But as advertised, it's been honestly a complete full meme that I'm just loving every second of. Aaron Rodgers has been going like... He's been trying to integrate himself into New York culture, and it's been hilarious. I don't know if you've seen him at some of these sporting events. Like he went to, um, I believe he went to a Knicks game. Um, yeah. He went to a couple other New York events, and he's just not enjoying himself, which is hilarious. No. Like, <laughs> like he's just straight faced, has no idea what's going on half the time. He's probably high off of his ass. Absolutely, um, but he's working really well with his with the team so far, per reports. Um, you know, I know there was like early reports that he's already gotten hurt, but then there's other reports saying that, you know, he's really gelling, you know, really well for me. I think that whole division, I mean, is going to be good, but the Jets specifically, I can't wait to watch them though, man. I can't wait to watch them on my TV. It's weird for the first time ever in my life. I am looking forward to the New York Jets. Yeah, it's, uh, it's first time in a while, for sure. <laughs> it's been a train wreck for a while. So, yeah, it, it's more exciting for sure. I like the Rex Ryan Jets. The Rex Ryan Jets, I, I didn't like them. Don't get me wrong. I hated them. I just, I loved Rex Ryan. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I it's a it's a TV show. I'd I'd sign up to watch. You know, I'm subscribing <laughs> to that one. So, 
I haven't been in that field since then, and I am now. So you're absolutely right. This is something I'm signing up for more of. And good thing, because NFL is going to force it down our throats a bit. Oh, yeah, absolutely. They're going to milk this for every fucking dollar. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I I love my Dolphins versus the Jets on Black Friday. Nice island game. Ton of attention to that. I think that's going to be an awesome one. Uh, So, yeah, I, I think the NFL actually did a great job of figuring out the primetime situation this year. I hope we don't get another repeat of last year's Broncos, where it's just nonstop for a completely trash team. We'll see. And maybe the Jets are that. You know, you, you really don't know what you're going to get. It shouldn't be that, right? Yeah. It, the They did so well last year without an offense at all, aside from Brees Hall for a couple weeks in the beginning. They didn't have an offense, and they contended or won – most of the games. So they were a threat up yeah. until falling apart at the end. Yeah. Correct. Correct. So I, I really can't imagine it being possible that they're not at least good, but who knows if they're going to be great. And to win that division, it's going to take being great. It'll take a lot to make the playoffs in the AFC. It's going to be take being at least very close to great. So I, I would not be shocked if a 10 win, 10 win team misses the playoffs again this year. Would not yeah, be shocked. I mean, I I personally can't wait because you know the the Patriots they've they've revamped their whole team. I actually love what they've done with the plays. All of a sudden, makes them it, a chance a, a chance at being a playoff team. Yeah, I mean, Mac Jones he's gonna like actually have you know credible targets to throw to um this year. So I'm looking forward to that. You know, like you said, your Dolphins like. They're going to be in contention for a Super Bowl, and we we still have the Bills. The Bills are still you know good for the sure. most part. I mean, I know they had a few lo- um, tough losses this off season. Yeah. Um, Stephon Diggs is a little pissed because they reconstructured his contract in hopes of getting someone around him and didn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> so that's crazy. Um, the Bills could be very much be a disaster. But you know, speaking of. Uh, oh wait, go ahead. If you had a nope. comment on that, nope. I, I think disaster is a strong word, but I I'm not shocked if they regress a little, and we don't know how they're going to handle that. That could be what it takes to get that team to the next level, or it could be what creates their implosion. So I, I'm intrigued at what's going to happen with the Bills. I'm intrigued at what's going to happen with the Patriots. Um, we're obviously intrigued at the Jets. That's how we got into this mess, and. I'm, of course, signing up to watch every week the Dolphins football. So, yeah, that division is going to have a lot of eyes on it this year. And how could it not? Right. Absolutely. So into segueing into our next segment, we're going to go and we're going to rip off our top five quarterbacks. So, you know, how we're going to do it is um, we're going to we're going to give five to three each. um, And then we're going to go back and forth with our one and two. Um, so Bill, why don't you lead us off with your, your five, four and three? Sounds good. So it's going to be good guys. Five, uh, no, not a huge surprise that this guy's on the list and didn't know where he was going to be, but I do have Lamar coming in at number five until he proves it, Here's the thing. Lamar very well could be significantly higher on this list. Uh, but the way he looked while playing a bit hurt, I didn't love it. I want. I need to see him come back healthy. Uh, this is a totally different offense. He's going to be doing a lot less running, and that's really where he made his impact. So I feel like I'm justifying knocking him down to five, even though I'm saying he's better than 27 other starting quarterbacks in this league. Uh, he could be significantly better than five, but I have Lamar coming in at my number five. 
at number four, I've got your boy Jalen Hurts. Uh, Jalen Hurts played well enough in that Super Bowl where he absolutely needs a spot on this list. Just couldn't put him in my top three. Uh, that alone and the way he carried this team, the way he leads that team, he deserved a spot. So I have him coming at number four. Number three, I've got Josh Allen. And, you know, Josh Allen is going to have a taller task this year because of that lesser talent than he has around him. Uh, but if he holds true to this number three, he can do it, right? And we're going to find out. I'm cheering against that. And, you know, I think there's a decent chance he doesn't end the season at number three. But right now I do have Josh Allen at my number three. First, Absolutely. what are your thoughts on those? And then then we'll hear what you have. Yeah, man. I mean, you you got some good quarterbacks in there. I mean, I think... You know, a couple. Well, one of my guys are. I, we're gonna. We. I think we agree on one of these people. Um, but you know, I. I would put Josh Allen in my top five. Like, let's let's. I'm gonna put this here. Like, realistically, he's fifth on my list. Okay. But you know what the fuck time it is. It's shout out to Jared Goff. I'm putting Jared Goff in there at number five. I think Jared Goff is gonna go off this season. I mean, last season he had a spectacular comeback year. I think that only continues. Um, you know, he, I don't want to say he'll struggle in the first six games, but Jameson Williams is suspended. I think he adds a crazy element to that offense, but I think they'll be fine without it. They were fine without it last year. We'll see what happens this year. So I'm putting Jared Goff at number five. You know, I'm, I'm just going to get a Jared Goff jersey at this point because it's shout out to Jared Goff until the day I can't shout out Jared Goff anymore. So that's my number five. Number four, I'm going with Jalen Hurts. Love the guy. As you said, you know, the way he has developed, I mean, it's not even just the play on the field. It's how he's developed as a leader because, you know, the, the biggest thing, you know, for me was, okay, is he going to be good during the regular season? He wasn't just good. He was absolutely phenomenal, almost runs away with the MVP. And then the biggest question was, well, can he carry that into the playoffs? It Was it, was it overrated? Blah, 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 blah. Is he going to be worth this big contract he's going to get? you know, whatever. He had a lot of pressure on him, you know, best, one of the best teams ever, blah, blah, blah. And he shows up in the Super Bowl and delivers you four touchdowns, um, delivers you a lot of yards in the air, a lot of yards on the ground. Absolutely has one of the best games I've ever seen in the Super Bowl. It just sucks that, you know, the refs had to get involved at the end there um, and ruin what could have been another chance for him and possibly a win because he left the field with an eight point swing that tied the game and put the pressure on Mahomes. So that's my number four, Jalen Hurts. Shout out to you, man. So happy that you're my team's quarterback. Couldn't be more thrilled. I can't wait to see him this year. Number three, I'm going with Joe Burrow. Love this guy. He's stone cold under pressure. Um, proved it this year with, again, a depleted offensive line yet again. Took it as far as he could. Um, I think this year, you know, with an improved offensive line, with the improvements they'll probably make during the season as well, everyone coming back healthy. I think, I, I don't know. I mean, I, in my opinion, they might be the team to beat in the AFC for me. Um, I have to put him at number three because he's a big part of that. You know, Bill's, Bill's going to get into why he may or may not be a little bit, you know, later, you know, spoiler alert. But I really do think Joe Burrow is a huge, huge part of um, Cincinnati. And it's just because he's able to keep his composure in the biggest moments of the season. So what are your thoughts on my 5-4-3? Because I know they're a little crazy. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. So first off, the five, depending on which version of your five we're going with, shout out to Jared Goff. Obviously, <laughs> great year last year. I, I look forward to watching Jared Goff. He's on my top five most exciting quarterbacks to watch just because of the offense around him. And, you know, I, I look forward to watching Lions football, but I'm not going to say he's my top five quarterback, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Uh, Josh, if you do have Josh Allen as your number five, I support it. I, it. It might be low for him, but at the same time, like I said, after we see what he can do with this team, if he can do more with that little bit less, hey, more power to him and maybe we bump him up more. He has a lot to but prove this year. He does. He does. I, I think this is a big prove it year for him, uh, but I wouldn't be shocked if he falls down closer to the 10 range. Uh, if, if he does implode like we think very well could happen. I, I mean, we, built, we built our podcast off of your hate for Josh Allen. so <laughs> it, That's kind of where it started. That's where it started. It can't stop now. So your number four, obviously, I can't disagree too much. That's where I put him too. So <laughs> let's say we agree <laughs> on Hurts. And then uh, moving on to your number three, your Joe Burrow pick. I don't have him in my top five. He's not far out of it. He's obviously done well, you know, but I feel like I could do pretty well if I had Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler <laughs> You know, it's – I think he's a product oh. of a good offense. And here's the thing. He did it in college too. I'm not saying that's all he is. He He's good. He's not great in my opinion. He's not what everyone's kind of touting him up, building him up to be. I think we're going to see that a little bit more this year. I think he comes back down to earth a little bit. And really, stats-wise, he's good. He's not great. So the reason he's getting so much applause is because he's winning football. And that's important. Can't take that away from him. He's doing enough to win much more often than not. But some of the games that they lose are games that they have no business losing. So I – really think coaching has a lot more to do with winning football games than quarterback play. I don't know. He hasn't done anything crazy in these big moments. He's not the most clutch. He's not doing anything that makes me think, man, this guy is absolutely the next one. You know, he's not going to be the face of the NFL like everyone thinks he's going to be. But, hey, let's see if he proves me wrong. Listen, Bill, you were awkwardly right about Josh Allen. Awkwardly. Like, it was a shot in the dark saying that he wasn't good. And it's just crazy how, like, he just unraveled as the season went along and proved you right on most of the things that you were saying. However, the year Joe Burrow does the same, man. This is where we're going to have big disagreements. And I feel like it's going to be a theme of the podcast throughout the the year. Unless, you know, God forbid he gets hurt and then the conversation is there. But, That's different, right? Yeah, yeah. so I, we're, I'm gonna disagree for now. I don't want to turn this into some big, you know, argument. We we have more episodes for that. So give me your number two. My number two is Tua Tango Vailoa. Uh, no so fucking I'm, I'm way! Are you leaving pick. Joe Burrow out of your top five and You're, including fucking Tua? Come on, I Bill. absolutely am. Here's the thing, man. What oh. Joe Burrow has done with the weapons around him is not as much as Tua has done in limited capacity. So the thing is, yes, Joe Burrow has playoff wins. He doesn't have a Super Bowl, so does it really matter, right? If we can hate on LeBron for making the finals and then losing, 
then we can hate on Joe Burrow for, you know, losing. He's lost more playoff games than Tua has. So I'm not saying that's an actual argument. First off, that's truly sarcastic. But I will say this. Tua, when healthy, which is a very limited sample size right now, when healthy, was literally the best quarterback in the league last year. And he has two, he has two 99 speed wide receivers. <laughs> exactly right. And he can get him, get the ball in their hands. So listen, he has talent around him too. Don't get me wrong, but he puts it on their numbers in stride every time. The, aside from deep balls where Tyree kill has 20 yards of separation and he doesn't have to. I mean, if That's you, the- if you put Joe Burrow on that team, they, he probably would have gotten like the fucking record for yards in a season. Listen, I, I hear you on that, but uh, Tua would have had more touchdowns in the, in the Bengals' offense, too. Tua is more accurate than Joe Burrow. There's just no question about it. That's not at all what people applaud Joe Burrow for. It's not the accuracy piece. It's his ability to win games. It's his ability to create a little bit and stuff. And, and Tua does the opposite of that. And be there Tua, on the field <laughs> as well. When he tries to create. So we need to fix Tua that. Tua left you guys with Chip fucking Skylark. <laughs> Chip Skylark almost beat the Bills. So uh, we'll talk Chip Skylark another day. We had a mailbag about uh, Teddy Bridgewater. And the Dolphins proved that Skylar Thompson is actually better than Teddy Bridgewater. So... Listen, we'll we'll talk that we'll talk Chip Skylark in, in a bit, uh, but I have to. Uh, and here's the thing: it's not based on current resume; it's based on what I think is going to happen this year. And I am calling my shot that Tua will have a significantly better. It's not going to be like by, you know, well he squeaked by him in this and was just behind him in this, and it's not going to be this. I think it's going to be Joe Burrow to a Tango Bailoa. I think it's going to be clear cut and you're going to play this clip back for better or for worse toward the end of the year. Wow, (laughs) folks, there you have it. Bill is on crack. No, I'm just playing. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe. Um, And then my number one, obviously that leaves Mahomes. We don't even really have to talk about that. Yeah, we, we agree on that. You know, my number one is Patrick Mahomes, you know, what he's been able to do with, significantly less it's kind of a crime what they haven't put around them right now in kansas city um but my number two i'm going with uh lamar jackson i i value like him very highly um you know where you say you know it's gonna be more throwing i think that's gonna make his running that much more lethal um because his his game's gonna be even more unpredictable um because now that he has targets to actually throw to you're gonna have to you're gonna have to pay attention to that, which is gonna open up his running game. Um, you know, he's proven at least that he's a decent passer. I don't want to say he's the best passer in the world, but he's sure. proven at least he can get it done. And although I think he will improve, if he's just decent at being a passer this year, I love what the Ravens have, and I love what Lamar brings. You know, like you said, his his talent is through his legs. There's no doubt about that. But he's finally going to have, like, around him of many options. Many options to throw to, finally. And I think that's just going to make him that much better of a player, which is why I have him at two. I think this Ravens team is going to be hard to beat if they stay fully healthy. And when I say depend on Odell Beckham Jr., 
um because you know we know what he like even coming off of his major injury that he did before and he came back and if he didn't get hurt in the super bowl we might be looking at him as super bowl mvp because there wasn't anyone else to really look at besides um cup so you know i at the end of the day i i love this team and i I love lamar jackson at number two yeah yeah i think odell has a question mark over his head for sure. You know, sure. coming back off injury, a good time away from the football field. It, it, who knows what we have when Odell in Baltimore, but it, Rashad Bateman is suddenly doesn't have to be the only guy. Right. So right. It, it's Mark Andrews is, I believe to be the next best tight end in the league. I think as soon as Travis Kelsey's out, it's going to be That's the Mark fair. Andrews show as, as top tight end in the league at least for a bit. Um, I think there's a guy that just got drafted that has a chance at being the next big thing. Just going to take a little flyer on one Michael Mayer uh, and the Oakland, well, Las Vegas Raiders uh, via Notre Dame. So just a shout out there. I want to have that shot called in July rather than doing it in October or November after he starts producing. Uh, but that we're very far away from him taking any thrones. And Mark Andrews and Lamar alone have won a bunch of games in Baltimore. Now you have Zay Flowers as well. I think that's really the piece that I look forward to the most. I think Zay Flowers' skill set just matches very well with the the Todd Munkin offense and just absolute execution. His quote the other day, which I loved, is cool is out, execution is in. And that's what the Ravens need is some drawn up stuff to really take advantage of the talent they have on the field because their talent outweighs what most defenses are going to be able to match up against them. And if they can do that, if they can execute, not many teams are going to really stand a chance. Absolutely. Absolutely. So moving on, um, running backs, man, we got a lot of good running backs still left on the market. Yeah, yeah. So obviously, I, I say this as an open letter to the Dolphins organization that please just buck the hell up and sign Dalvin Cook. This team is a running back away, I feel. And, you know, running back, let's just first throw out there are three prominent names that I am befuddled why they're still available Dalvin Cook, which hasn't been available all that long, but still is available. Should have been scooped up literally the day he got released. Ezekiel Elliott, who produced at a high level last year, and Kareem Hunt. And was a decent leader, too. Yes, Zeke was. Kareem Hunt, not so much. Yeah, no, no. Not at all. (laughs) I don't think he'll ever be a leader. (laughs) Right, right. Kareem Hunt, although not a leader, still can produce at a high level. And we saw it not very long ago. He did fine last year. He did good the, the year prior. And he's not really none of them are at an age where you would think they've completely fallen off the cliff 27 years old maybe 28 by the time his heirs but still it's that shouldn't be a past your prime down like completely off the grid running back at this point Given most running backs in the NFL now are younger and I'm not saying we should sign any of these guys to five-year contracts but why do you feel any of these guys, let alone all of them, are still available? 
I mean, it's the the NFL is just moving on from the the one single running back getting all the touches, getting you know everything because. You know, we've seen a few situations in past years where, you know, teams trust in that one running back, he falls apart, and now they all of a sudden don't really have a running game. Um, it, it sucks, though, because, you know, I think about, you know, when I started watching NFL, you know, in the 2000s, and, you know, we, we got all these amazing running backs, and we got, you know, amazing highlights that we can go watch at any time on YouTube, you know, Jamal Charles, you know, CJ2K, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Yeah. And those days were beautiful. Viewers that weren't around for that, do yourself a favor. Just go search highlight films for particularly Ladanian Tomlinson, Priest yeah. Holmes, Sean Alexander, like and Adrian Peterson. You know the yeah. list just goes on. I mean, Adrian Peterson won a goddamn MVP for Christ's sakes. Yeah. So yeah. you know it sucks that we're moving on from that era. Um, but you know you see it with a you know a bunch of teams. You know, for example, the Chiefs and the Eagles in the Super Bowl. Chiefs have, you know, Pacheco, who's not on probably anybody's top 10 list, um, and then a combination of guys underneath him. The Eagles, they just have Miles Sanders, who, again, probably not on t- on the top 10 of not a lot of people's list, and then a combination of guys. Um, and then the list, you know, goes on and on. I mean, I guess the Bengals with Joe Mixon, but they're probably starting to move on from him as well. Um, you know, They're Dalvin Cook. They moved on from Pirine, so now it's – mixing yeah. with nobody behind him really they got young guys they like but it can you say that anybody behind Mixon can create an effect right and, and that's a situation where it's like Mixon, who's an absolute idiot off the field for you yeah. know lack of better words at the same time a little injury prone as well as we saw last year mm-hmm. he goes down now you have to put all the pressure on joe burrow so it's just not a strategy that I think it's just not a strategy that I that I think is uh is it doesn't work anymore. I mean, but Dalvin Cook, I think at the very least he should be signed because he's at least amazing to the point where I think he can carry his own still as the, you know, single, you know, top touch getting running back of the team. You know, Ezekiel Elliott, I'm shocked cuz he was a fantastic like he has turned into a fantastic leader. One that not a lot of people thought he would turn into because he was an absolute head case for, for his first several years. And then Tony Pollard comes in. Everyone's like, oh, is he going to be able to share the ball? Absolutely. He did it absolutely fine. Get him on your team. Um, Kareem Hunt, absolute idiot. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I still think that you know a team should take him. He's very talented. But if a team doesn't, I think we can look back to how he had the whole world in his hands in Kansas City um and didn't yeah exactly um but i I just think the nfl is moving on from this man yeah yeah and that's the thing it's you don't see many bell cow backs and it's for a reason like you said if you have an offense that's reliant on one guy and a position that's so vulnerable as running back and they get hurt at such a high clip First off, it's kind of a messed up world where the guy that's in the most danger is getting kind of the least money, and that's not really cool, but at the same time, it's a business investment. I understand it as well, and I think we're going to see a little bit more of that revolutionary type of offense with the Debo Samuels coming out of the backfield, things like that, kind of sharing the love with some of the receivers and getting the ball into playmakers hands in more creative ways to take a little onus off of the running back 
and put it onto uh, spread it around to other players. Yeah. But with that said, these guys have a place in winning championships, and I, we don't have great Absolutely. examples of this recently. <laughs> but uh, running backs can make a huge impact in individual games, and it, it doesn't make sense to me why a team can't just average four yards a rush and carry it to a Super Bowl, right? If you get four yards on every single play, you will win every game. That's it. But you can't get on every play. That Then your running back's going to literally die in the field. So it's, it's a tough balance, but these guys are definitely guys that can contribute. We'll see where they end up. A uh, couple teams that I like to land at least one of these guys, definitely Miami. I, I really want to see Delvin from Miami. And Need it. I love it. Shane, like if if my if you guys don't get like that, or I mean at, at least at the very least, Kareem Hunt. I don't yeah. know. It's tough. So here's the thing. for me, I think Miami's kind of cook or nothing. Cause yeah. we have Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson's kind of the pound it guy that Kareem Hunt should be. He can also catch Kareem Hunt's a better receiver, but, uh, you know, Raheem Mostert can catch out of the backfield. I hear Devin, I don't even know how to pronounce his name, Akani, a, a chain, who knows, A-Train, whatever it might be. Uh, <laughs> I love this kid based on what I'm seeing so far. It's been limited work, but he, he looks great, and they're, they're really commending him for his receiving ability out of the backfield. We'll find out. If A-Train's got it, that, that's the new nickname for sure. <laughs> A-Train is funny. So why don't you give us some Bills Block, man? What do we got going on in fantasy? It's a new year, fresh new year. What do you got? We're going to collab a little on this Bills Block. I, let's Tom's start block. off nice and no. easy. Who do you have as your number one overall pick in fantasy football? You're on the clock, number one pick overall in a PPR. Who you got? I mean, I have to go Justin Jefferson. Um, you know, what what he was able to do, you know, out there in Minnesota last year, especially, um, it, it's sensational. You know, he was an MVP talks. Um, you know, while Minnesota was just flailing and, you know, I mean, they were 13 and four, but it was a very shaky 13 and four. Um, I think he was, he was huge. If he wasn't there, I don't think the fucking... expect him to carry that on he's very talented he has all the makings the build the prototype everything where it's not lightning in the bottle i'm taking him first um but that's if i have the first pick that's fair uh and obviously we're not going to get first pick every time but i i can give you a little ammo for that uh first off dalvin cook without or sorry justin jefferson without dalvin cook Six games. In those six games, he's got 53 receptions for 839 yards and four touchdowns. That would put him on pace over the course of a full season for 150 receptions and damn near 2,400 yards. A little light on the touchdowns, uh, you know, 10 or 11 touchdowns, something like that. But still, that would be your number one pick. He's going to get double, triple team, and he's going to get fed. Right. So it's even with through a double team, he's still going to get his. And that's really all there is to it. They do have more talent around him now. They drafted a guy, KJ Osborne, coming into his own. Uh, Adam Thielen's 
geriatric asses out of there. Uh, so, you know, I, I think the the passing attack will feature Justin Jefferson just as much, if not more. It's just whether or not that offense is going to take a step forward because uh, you, you're really banking on that. Justin Jefferson had a great year last year. But it's not something you're going to be absolutely thrilled with. It's not he wasn't a league winner on his own by any means, and that's really what you're looking for with number one pick. And with that said, I can't go Justin Jefferson with my number one overall pick. If I land in that number one spot, this sounds absolutely crazy. It's high risk, but you know I feel the need to take high risk with that number one spot, knowing I'm not getting another pick until pick number twenty four rolls back around. I'm probably going Christian McCaffrey. I think if you give Christian McCaffrey a consistent quarterback in San Francisco, an offseason to actually prepare and learn an offense rather than just, hey, here, take this and run. I think Christian McCaffrey can go back to real Christian McCaffrey levels. And this is while we're saying that the running back is a dying breed, while everyone else is zigging, I, I'm going to zag here. And when the number two overall pick for most people's projection is Jamar Chase, number three in a lot of people is Cooper Cup. I'm seeing Travis Kelsey go before any running backs go. I'm going ahead and I'm taking the running back here. I'm going to take CMC. That's definitely fair, man. So where would you where would you rather draft? I would rather draft really mid to late round. Uh, because I feel that there's a lot of high-end second-round values. And especially, here's the thing. Dalvin Cook right now is going in like the fourth, fifth, sixth round. If he signs in Miami, you better hope you're on the clock when it happens. Because if you get him in the second round or later, you're getting a first-round value at running back, in my opinion. Absolute steal. If I can go late, I don't mind. There's so much talent at wide receiver, high-end talent throughout the first two, three rounds. I'm comfortable with people like Calvin Ridley being my lead receiver. So if I can go late and steal a couple of running backs, if I can grab a Saquon and a Jonathan Taylor because I'm at the tail end of the first round, I love how my team's going to pan out afterward. Maybe a Kelsey instead, something like that. Any mix of those guys builds my team for success. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I, I'd love to pick dead last. And the reason is, is, you know, you're going to get someone that falls to you because of the stupidity of everyone in front of you. That's your first, that's your number 12. And then number 13 is going to be the pick that you actually want, the pick that you've actually studied for, knowing that you've had that pick. Um, I, I love having two draft picks in a row. You know, I, every time that I've drafted, whether it be NFL, NBA, MLB, Whenever I've had two picks in a row, it's been good because, you know, I'm not unsatisfied. Like, basically, you get to take your whole fate into your hands when you get <laughs> two picks in a row. You're not you getting do. robbed. You're not, you know, sitting around waiting so much. So, And then when you know there's 22 picks in between the next time you're picking again, too, you get a decent idea of, I have no chance of getting these guys unless I take them right now. Exactly. And it, of course, you're still going to get sniped. Of course, there's still going to people that go that that one pick before you. They fell 21 picks down, and then 22nd one, there he goes. But it, still, I think it does give you the most control by picking there or at number one overall. Uh, but I don't mind that like 11 spot either. 
And, and then what you have to do is really just study the one guy and his tendencies and try and figure <laughs> out where they're going. Uh, and then you can go accordingly. You get one pick earlier, one less chance to get sniped, and then two picks later for for the following. So if you can know where he's going, take whatever they are less likely to take first and then clean up with whoever else you want next. So at Absolutely. either 11 or 12, golden to me. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. All right. So to close this show, we are going to give you a nice mailbag segment. We got some requests. Some people want us to answer some questions. Um, so, Bill, what was the juiciest question? What do we have to answer first? Let's hit a couple. But I, to start off, uh, what record do the Jets have to have in their first six games to still make the playoffs? So, just quick rundown the schedule first off. Uh, they open up against the Bills on Monday Night Football. Uh, then Cowboys, Patriots, Chiefs, Broncos, Eagles. What's also important is after that, then it goes to Giants, Chargers, Raiders, Bills, Dolphins, Falcons, Texans, Dolphins, Commanders, Browns, and Pats. Loaded question here uh, from a listener, but here's the thing. It starts off with a tough schedule. Can answer this two ways. Technically, I think if they win one of these, they could run the table. They could do this. They, it really lightens up from there. It might take a little while to build some chemistry, although, you know, Rodgers brought his whole offense with him, so it shouldn't. But if it takes a little while to really get this team rolling, if they go one and five, run the table, then they're still in the playoffs, right? But more realistically, what they're really looking to do, if they can escape three and three, I think they're golden. I don't think they will. I think they're getting no more than two wins in these first six games. But I, I think three and three is really what they're hoping to, to salvage. What do you think? I mean, three and three, I think, has to be a must. And the reason why I say it's a must is because you're in the AFC. And if you look at the playoff picture, we're talking the Ravens, the Bills, the Bengals. Um, you know, those are prominent teams. You know, you're going to have Chiefs with Mahomes. That's four. You got the Chargers, the Dolphins. That's six. And then you're talking about those other teams that we don't really know what to expect, but we know there's a very good chance that, that they can be good. The Browns, the Broncos, the Jaguars. And we're at nine teams now. And then you have to include, you know, teams that are going to hang around in there. The Patriots, uh, the Texans could very much hang in there. That's what they're kind of banking on with the move that they made to trade their draft pick. They're going for it this year. Yeah. Um, and they're it's not there yet. Very... They can play heartbreaker to a couple people. I don't think Texans are anywhere near scratching playoffs. Just yeah, yet. and it's just, it's going to be a lot of teams. It's going to be a lot of competitions. I think. You know, especially with being that it's going to be very hard to win their own division, they're going to have to aim for a wild card. It's seven spots for about 10 or 11 competing teams. I think three and three has to be like absolutely has to be where they have to be in the first six. If it's anything worse, it's going to be hard to make the playoffs coming like at like one and five, two and four. I mean, zero and six, we can probably fucking cancel them, but. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at the way the the Packers started last year and what Aaron Rodgers got used to, um, it it started off a little ugly, 
and they were able to miraculously bounce back when like the, the playoff graphics didn't even have them listed, they almost made the playoffs. Shout out to Jared Goff and the Lions. That didn't happen. But uh, that can't happen in the AFC. It's just not going to happen. NFC is significantly weaker last year than AFC will be this year. So you can't do that. But uh, I think six games is too early to tell. If you tell me that they are not at least – if they don't have at least three wins through seven weeks, then absolutely shot. If they don't have at least four through eight weeks, absolutely shot. So, you know, I think it really gets more important after those six. And, of course, it's always more important toward the end of the year. But the other thing is that New York media might be calling for Zach Wilson if you don't see Aaron Rodgers get off to a fast start. So I don't know if he's cut out for that. I don't know if he can handle that kind of pressure. So realistically, three and three is a hard minimum. Uh, but again, I don't really see that happening. Diving back in the mailbag, we'll do two more. Uh, what are what is the Bucks' future without Tom Brady? I I mean they're absolutely due for a rebuild. Um, you know Baker Mayfield. The future is going to be playing in the. Uh, maybe college championship next year. I think they should be keeping an eye out for the next up and coming quarterbacks. I, that's where I think their future is. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I did not really like the Baker Mayfield signing. I mean, I really wish, you know, Baker Mayfield went, I mean, I personally wish he stayed in LA. Um, but like, like we both had agreed on when we talked about it. Um, but you know, you never know. I mean, I think Tampa's perfect for him. Um, it's going to be warm weather constantly. Um, you know, the NFC isn't as strong as the AFC. Um, so, I mean, there, there's very well a chance that some breakthroughs can happen, but most likely not. Um, they're coming off of, you know, they, they put everything into Tom Brady. And that's this is normally what happens with these franchises that do that. Do that. You know, thankfully they got a ring um that you know that they can be proud of because you know afterwards now they they have little to nothing so definitely do for a rebuild that's the future um not a lot to look forward to unless you're a baker mayfield fan then you get a like a whole season of his antics so <laughs> maybe maybe you if things don't go well then you might get half season and then a half season of trask so uh we'll see yeah. i i agree yeah, i think i don't like trask man that that no, Tampa no. Bay fans, if you have to live through Trask, I'll be praying for you. <laughs> yeah, I think the Mayfield signing is going to lead to a, a bit of mediocrity. I don't think the team around him is good enough to succeed, whereas the Rams is better. So uh, who knows? But I, I would say that what's most likely is probably a six or a seven win team with Baker. And a three or a four win team with Trask. So what you're really cheering for if you're in a rebuild is a three or four win team. So if you're a, a Bucks fan, I'm rooting for Trask to win this job. At least see what he has, you know, and, and maybe Trask proves us wrong. He wouldn't be the first one, right? But if he isn't it, Baker's not going to be the guy that just puts a whole team on his back. He has proven that much. And if he leads you to mediocrity, that's the worst place you could possibly be in the NFL. And we've talked about that plenty. So, And I know you want to do one more, um, but before you do that one more real quick, is the Eagles uh, team better than last year's? 
I think that's the one more we're doing here. So okay, cool. the Eagles team this year, I would say, is not better than last year. They are set up to maybe be better next year than they are either this year or last year. I think it, rookies tend to take a sophomore jump if they can get that out of Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, and that's without even seeing what they're doing this year. But I, I think in more – if I'm a betting man, and I am, I'm guessing the Eagles are better the following year than they are this year. I mean, for me to answer the question, I mean, it's hard to say are they better this year than last year because what you're saying there is if you're saying that the Eagles are better this year than last year, you're saying they're a Super Bowl champion because they were just a fourth quarter away from winning the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that regards, do I think they're better? I'm going to say no for now. Um, just because we kind of got to see how it's going to play out on paper though. And the bias in me, I'm going to say, yeah. Um, just because that defense last year, I do, I did think it was a little overrated. Yeah. They, they ate all year. Um, but when it came down to it, when the world needed them most, they absolutely vanished. You know, the avatar, I don't want to say he's overrated, but you know, he disappeared when the world needed him most and the Fire Nation took over for like 104 years. I'm not saying that's going to happen here. I'm kind of losing my mind with this take, but um, I like what the Eagles have. I think their offense is going to be more diverse, you know, with the with the better running back room. I definitely do think it's a better running back room. Um, and then for also, sure. you know, the defense, if, if the young guys can bring the electricity um, and the energy, yeah, I think we'll be better. So... Where I'll counter that is they they definitely got better at running back. They're essentially the same at you know receiver, tight end, quarterback, offensive line, etc. On the defensive side, they got younger uh, in up front in the front seven, but they lost talent in the back side of that. They lost talent in the secondary. Their secondary yeah, for sure. But who we, the, the people that we've picked up has added a lot of speed. And it is youth. It's hard to trust youth. Um, but if, like I said, if on paper, if it were, if it is what it's supposed to be on paper, which it never is, um, it's a very fast backfield, which I yeah. think is going to be what is needed with you know all the speed that has come into the NFL in the past few years. Yeah, I um, think the Eagles. Uh, Here is my prediction for their defense. I think they're going to produce close to the same number of sacks. Close to the same number of tackle for loss. Close to the same number of turnovers, right? I think it's going to be they had they caught lightning in a bottle last year. A lot of things just really panned out perfectly. They caught good bounces, etc. Law of regression, right? It, it's got to get a little closer to the average on some of those bounces, but they're still talented enough to make sure that they, they control some of the bounces, right? So they'll still get plenty, but because it's a younger team. I think they're prone for bigger mistakes. I think you're going to see a few more home runs hit against the Eagles, a few more long passes, a few more runs broken off. You kind of can't have both get more youth and keep as much execution and knowledge on the field. So that's where I'm well, at. I, I still think that the you know Jalen Hurts, he's been an absolute freak this offseason. He's put even on more pounds. He's more athletic, which is crazy to me. Um, because he's one of the strongest quarterbacks in the NFL. With you know, as you know, the way he, it's it's insane. Um, you know, my prediction is that you know the defense they swallow everybody. 
Jalen Hurts wins the MVP, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl MVP, and we're greasing the poles in Philly. But with that being said, with that ridiculous take, we're going to leave it there. What another amazing episode um, that we've put together here for you guys. You know, thank you for watching. Um, you know, thank you for everything. Make sure you like, subscribe, share, sell your souls. Shout out to Belgium. All that good stuff. We can't thank you guys enough. You know, you guys are really supporting our comeback here. And we are here to deliver. Thank you for watching. Have a good one.